This time of year, I think our Bibles naturally fall open to some passages. And as we decorate, we're reminded of certain passages. Just thinking this morning of Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. You know the story of the magi, the wise men, and how they follow the star. I was thinking of that story this week and it reminded me of a memory from my childhood. I think it was high school. One summer night, I'd been out a little bit later than I probably should have been, but I got home. And when I got home, my dad was awake and I was talking to him. I said, there's a, there's a weird fire to the north of town. And I said, it, it's strange. It, it seems pretty big. The, the, the sky is just lit up north of town, but I haven't seen any fire trucks and I haven't heard any sirens and no, no other lights. And, and dad was a little curious. He said, well, let's go see. So we got in the car, kind of like the wise men, but not really. And uh, we're heading north instead of east. And we, we ended up going up north of town. And, we, and as we drove up, I, we both said, you know, it's got to be just the, beyond that next ridge, you know. And we get beyond the next ridge and there's nothing, you know. And well, there, there's that field up ahead and there's that hedge. And it's got to be on the other side of that hedge. And we get a little bit further up 49. And no, it wasn't there. And that, Dad started getting worried. He said, well, you know what? It's probably in Oakland. And he was worried that maybe it was the, it was the, the, grain, uh, the grain bins there in Oakland. Something had happened to the fire up there. And we, get to, we, we drove all the way to Oakland. And still, it was, it was still north of us. Well, we headed on up the Oakland Newman Road and we kept driving north and driving north. And, and we'd talk about it like, well, I think it's got to be right there. And it was just and constantly this, this fire, we can see it off in the distance. We finally got to Route 36 to the old Ziegler coal mine. And there at the coal mine, they were burning off the, uh, the natural gas there. And the, the atmosphere was just perfect that night that it lit the sky up all the way back to Kansas. We had followed that fire, always thinking it was right in front of us. And then we ended up miles and miles away up there on Route 36. You know, the night was clear and the atmosphere was just right that we could see that flame burning. And it always seemed like it was right there. And I think in a similar way, 2,000 years ago, the atmosphere was just right for God to send His Son. We, we looked at that last week in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. When in the fullness of time, when the time had fully come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. The moment was perfect but what God was doing in sending His Son was about more than just that moment. What He was doing by sending His Son actually had its foundation in eternity itself since before the beginning of time. We're going to be in John's Gospel this morning. The first 18 verses of John chapter 1. If you want to follow along in one of those blue Bibles in front of you, it's page 886 in the blue Bible there. John 1 verses 1 through, eight, or 1 through 18. Anytime I find a new Bible translation, anytime a new translation comes out, the first place I always turn to is John 1. 1. 
I want to see if they got it right. I want to see if they tell me exactly who Jesus is. Because for me, more than any other passage, this tells me who Jesus is. This is the place it all begins. Not Bethlehem, not, uh, not, not Bethlehem there or outside of Bethlehem, but in eternity from before the time Jesus was born. This passage tells us who Jesus is, who He was, who He will always be. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John doesn't begin in Bethlehem. He begins in the beginning. And he wants to clear up for for his readers, he wants to clear up for us any confusion about who Jesus is. And you listen to verse 1, and you listen closely, and it, it sounds familiar. There's an echo to John 1, 1. You listen closely, and you hear something of Genesis 1, 1, don't you? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John takes us back to that moment of creation, really before that moment of creation. And he introduces us to Jesus, not the baby in the manger that we get in Matthew and Luke, uh, not even the, uh, the teacher, the Savior, and the King that Mark introduces us to in his little short Gospel. But John introduces us as Jesus, the eternal, the eternal King, who He has always been, that He is one with the Father. In the beginning was the Word. What exactly does that mean? Why does He call Jesus the Word? When we call Jesus the Word of God, by the way, we also call our Bibles the Word of God, don't we? Don't get the two confused. Those are two completely different things. Jesus is not your Bible. Your Bible is not Jesus. Your your Bible is not the fourth member of the Trinity. Don't get those two confused. It's just a, a little quirk of our language that we have the same words there. But for John... Word, the Greek word there is logos, L-O-G-O-S, we would say in English. The, the word, Greek word logos means that this is the exact representation of something. Whatever the concept you're trying to understand or, or the idea or something that you cannot see like God, when you see the logos or when you hear the word, you understand exactly what it is that you're trying to describe. In the beginning was... The Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That word, Greek word logos, we, we drag that over to English. We don't really change it. And we have the English word logo. And it kind of works the same way. When you see a logo, a logo tells you what that gives you a representation of what something is. Like if we left here and we drove to Charleston and we saw the two big golden arches, that would tell us we were where? you got to participate. Yes, McDonald's, exactly. If we drove way down to Florida and we saw the the big circle, Doug, you know this one, the big circle and then the two little circles up here, where are we? We're at Disney World, right. Those are logos. When you see the logo, you know where you are. It is the representation of, of where you are. A few years ago, our friend Kathy Montoya designed this logo for our church. And I said, you know what I want? What I want that logo to be is I want someone who's never been to this church, if they've never been here physically, when they finally get here, they'll go, that's the place. I want, them to, I want the, 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 uh, the steeple to be prominent 
And also that window in the back with the cross, and of course the window out there in the entry area, those are represented there. But also it's red to represent the blood of, of Christ, right? The blood of Jesus, that's why we're here. But I wanted the logo to tell people. When people saw the logo, I wanted them to think Kansas Christian Church. So you'll see this on a lot of the stuff that we print. A lot of the stuff that we put online has the logo. The logo carries not just a message, but if a logo is done right, it carries the identity. All you need is that logo, and it tells you who it is you're talking about, what it is you're talking about. In the beginning was the logo, the logos. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Who is He? Who is Jesus? He is the Word. He is the one who is one with the Father. He is he is God. Verse 2, He was in the beginning with God. This is who He has been since before the foundation of time. Verse 3, All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. All things were made through Him. Jesus is the Creator. He is the One who spoke those words, let there be light. In fact, John picks up with that image of light from the moment of creation and he tells us of Jesus he tells us of the word verses 4 and 5 in him was life and the life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it John tells us this because he knew that we his readers were confused about who Jesus is but he also knew that we have questions about why Jesus came. And so right after introducing us to Jesus in His eternal nature, who Jesus has always been, John introduces us to John. <laughs> not John the Apostle, not John the Author, but John the Baptist. And I think it's interesting because first of all, he begins by telling us about the One who is eternal, the One who never changes. And he immediately tells us about John the Baptist whose ministry was temporary. John, the One who said He must increase and I must decrease. And I, I suspect he's not so much telling us about John the Baptist as he is telling us about us. He's wanting us to see ourselves the same way that we see John the Baptist and why, why John came and why we are here. Verses 6-8, through eight, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness to the, about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. You know, over the course of John's Gospel, there's 21 chapters here. And in those 21 chapters, he will tell us everything we need to know about Jesus. John is going to tell us about the cross and Jesus' sacrifice. And we'll hear Jesus say those words, if I be lifted up on that cross, I will draw all people to me. He will tell us about the promise of our faith. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, will never perish, but have eternal life. But, and He'll tell us about His resurrection. He'll tell us that Jesus has gone ahead to prepare a place for us. But here in the beginning, John reminds us it's a dark world, but light has come into the world. A few years ago, Trish and I took a trip to Missouri. Had a great time. It was just about this time of year. It was, it was in December. We went to Missouri. There are over a thousand caverns 
under the state of Missouri. Have you ever toured any of the caves and caverns under Missouri? Have you ever been in any of those? It's amazing. We went to fantastic caverns, which was great because it was just down the road from our hotel. It was easy to get to. And the best part about fantastic caverns, besides it being fantastic, is it's huge. You don't have to walk through it. They have Jeeps that take you on your tour and you get in wagons and you take your little tour through the, through the, through the caverns there in your Jeep. <coughs> It's also always about 65 degrees year-round in Fantastic Caverns. And it was 20 degrees that year when we were in, when we were in Missouri. And, and as soon as we got into the caverns, we shed our coats and it got warm and it was nice. And we just really enjoyed it. And as we're, as we're going back, the first place they stopped was at what they called the Twilight Point. And in the cavern there in the Twilight Point, way off in the distance, you could still see just one little speck of light from the entrance. You know, that's, that's all we had. And from there we turned and we went, into, we went into the blackout room. And the blackout room is such that there is no, there is no natural light back there at all. Now they have electricity and, and our guides had flashlights and of course the Jeeps had, had headlights. But they said here in the blackout room, there is no light at all. Your eyes cannot adjust to this darkness. You will never see your hand in front of your face. And they prepared us for the moment and they made sure we all had our cell phones off and that nothing we had was lighting up and they turned the lights off and it was pitch black in there. And we all sat there kind of silent, just in awe of just how dark it was. You couldn't see anything and everyone was just kind of taking it all in. And then of course, Trish had to ruin it when all of a sudden she yelled out, get your hands off me. And, and, uh, But you, know, you, can, you can stay in that blackout room all day long and your eyes are never going to adjust. You are never going to have vision in that blackout room. Hear what John is saying in verse 5. He says in verse 5, the, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. Stay in that blackout room as long as you want. Your eyes will never adjust. You will never see your hand in front of your face. You will never overcome the darkness on your own. You have to have a lamp. You have to have a light. And that's what John is saying about Jesus. The Word of God and the light of the world. You think about those dark places in your life. The, the dark places of sin and, and addiction. That, that darkness that's there. That destructiveness that's there in us. That, that depression that's there. You can never overcome those on your own. They will continue to swallow you up. Why did Jesus come? To overcome the darkness for us. To bring us into the light. And so John, before, before anything else that John is going to tell us about Jesus in these 21 chapters, he wants you to know first that Jesus has not left you in the dark. And right here at the very beginning of John's Gospel, that's exactly what we need to know. Whatever the darkness is that surrounded you, Jesus meets you there. In the midst of your grief, in the midst of hopelessness, whatever that darkness is that surrounded you, the Word that spoke creation into being, that Word has brought the light. He has come to you. He will not leave you in the dark. Verse 9, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. 
But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of any man, but of God. That takes us back to Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive adoption as sons. He gave us the right to become children of God, heirs to His kingdom. You see, He comes to change your story, to remove the darkness, to remove the loneliness, to remove that lack of belonging or that lack of hope, and to tell you that you are loved. You belong to Him. You're His. I think of those wise men following that star. I think of Dad and me following the light from the coal mine back uh, that one night. But if you notice about the, the, the wise men, they didn't come with any answers. All they, had, all they had seen was the star. That's all they knew was that there was a star and they were following the star. In fact, I, I wrote this morning on Facebook, I'm not sure we should call them wise men. They don't seem all that wise. They're just wandering. In fact, they, they, they have to stop in Jerusalem and ask directions. I don't know a wise man that would ever stop and ask for directions. doesn't make any sense to me at all. They really didn't have any answers. They didn't have any wisdom of their own. But what, what did they have? They had a willingness to seek. They had a willingness to follow. They had a willingness to go look, to trust. They had a willingness that those that Herod and his men in Jerusalem, they didn't have that same willingness to trust God's plan. They, they wanted to protect themselves. And you know, maybe you know, they had a willingness to follow, to trust, and, the, and to allow someone else to show them the way. And and maybe right now you're in a place where all you've got, all you've got is confusion. And you don't know which direction to go. You don't know how to find your own way out of the darkness. John's story begins with Jesus telling you and me there is light, there is hope. There is one who loves you, one who longs for you to belong to him. And in his coming, in his dying, and even more in eternity, he's called out to you, and he's given you the right to be his child. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh. In verse 14, we finally get to the Christmas story. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him, and he cried out, This was He whom I said, He who comes after Me ranks before Me, because He was before Me. And from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We finally come to the Christmas story here. Not just Christmas, but, but our gifts that He gives us. The gifts of grace and truth. The grace that you need today to make it through whatever challenge you're facing today. And the truth the truth of who Jesus is, why He came, the truth of His love for you, those are here to lead you out of darkness and lead you into His kingdom. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. The only God, that is Jesus He's referring to there. No one's ever seen God, but the only God, Jesus, who is at His side, has made Him known. You want to know what God is? You want to know who God is? 
Look to Jesus. You want to know His love for you? Look to the cross. You want to know His forgiveness for you? Look to the words that He spoke to that woman that John introduces us to where He said to her, neither do I condemn you. And whatever the darkness is that surrounds you, just know that Jesus has not left you in the dark. We come today to share in communion, to take the bread, to take the cup, to remember a very dark moment in our history. A moment when the, the sky turned dark. A moment when the sun stopped shining. A moment, the moment when Jesus on the cross died. We remember His broken body. We remember His blood shed. But we don't remember in darkness, do we? We remember with light. You know, in a few weeks we'll come together and remember with candlelight even. You know, we, we shine the light because it's not about the darkness. It's about what the light has overcome. And we come today to share this together because the darkness has not overcome us. And we shouldn't let it overcome each other. We come to share and to celebrate and to recognize the gift that Jesus has brought us. Let me pray. We're going to sing and then we'll take together. Father, we thank You for Your gift. We thank You for the grace and truth that we know through Your Son, Jesus. We thank You, Lord, that in all of the... in all of our confusion about who You might be and what You might be like, You just draw our attention again and again to Your Son. And You show us His love. You show us His mercy. You show us His grace. And You point to Him. And He shows us what You're like. We thank You that Your Word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we thank You, Lord, that in, in so many ways Your Word continues to become flesh as Your Son fills our lives and as we share His grace, as we share His hope with one another. Lord, bless us this time as we share this, this together. Bless the bread. Bless the cup. Remind us not only of the body broken for us, but remind us of the hope that we have through the One who gave us His life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.